Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we tackle important questions about journalism ethics and give you a behind-the-scenes look at our industry and our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. Protests have taken place in Santee over the last couple of weeks after a 17-year-old girl complained about seeing a transgender woman in the women's locker room at the Cameron Family YMCA. The incident and the protests have gained national attention. Union Tribune Managing Editor Laura Sacalo and publisher and editor Jeff Light discussed the UT's coverage of the protests and some of the decisions the newsroom has had to make while covering this ongoing story. Jeff? Okay, thank you, Luis. All right, so I, 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 what I wanted to do today was talk about how a story makes it onto the front page of a, a big metro newspaper like the San Diego Union Tribune. So in a second, Laura Sacalo, I'm going to ask you about uh, what your criteria are. And then we can walk through how we got to that threshold last week in discussing the story about the protest uh, outside the YMCA in Santee. But let's start just with some of the facts uh, of the story. Tarsi, can you uh, fill us in on uh, this whole um uh, uh, dispute, I guess, in Santee over the locker room facilities at the Y. What, what, what are the news events there? Sure. So last week on Wednesday, we received notice of a protest that same day at the YMCA in Santee that it would be closing early because they had gotten wind of People, that people would be gathering outside the facility to take exception um, to the YMCA's policy of allowing transgender people um, to use its facility, um, which is allowed by state law. We, it sort of caught us flat-footed. Um, we, we weren't aware of, of anything at that time and just had, had the basics of the protest the, the basic outline was a transgender person had been seen in the ladies' locker room by a young woman, and she had gone to the Santee City Council to complain about that and to say how unsafe she felt um, because she believed at that time that it was a male um, that she had seen in the women's locker room. She had subsequently gone on um, Tucker Carlson um, to talk about what had happened in the locker room. And then the story was picked up um, by the New York Post and some other outlets. That elevated the story and got the attention of a whole bunch of folks. And that is what prompted um, the protest and the closure of the Y on Wednesday. And okay. then there was a. Yeah. OK, so. Uh, um I believe early in that day, uh, Blake Nelson, the Santee beat reporter, wrote a story saying that the uh, this protest was planned and the why was closing early. And uh, that story was up on our site. Um, and uh, Laura Sacalo, so you're tracking on that uh, as you're putting together the print edition. And uh, uh, I imagine looking to see, well, what is going to happen with this protest as one of your things to watch as the day's news develop. Tell me a little bit about your process in 
and putting together the, the front page? What are, what are you looking for? Well, obviously, we're a local paper. So the the first criteria is, you know, giving greater weight to things that happen in our region. Um, and like any news story, in this particular case, as you mentioned, we knew that there was a protest planned. The, the Y had decided to close early, but we had no idea at that juncture in the afternoon what really was going to happen. It could have mm-hmm. been four people show up with signs in front of the, the Y. It could be uh, lots of people and people on, on multiple sides and uh, true confrontation. We, we just didn't know. So I went into the evening with the thought, I'll just, I'll have to have a plan in case this story turns into an A1 story. And, you know, you mentioned what is the criteria for an A1 story. And like any news story, we're looking at a variety of, of things. Um, the the relevance of the story, uh, how much interest there is around it. Uh, sometimes we're looking at the impact you know, is there conflict, um, prominence, proximity, all of those factors we're looking at when we're judging a story and, and where to play a story. So, as I said, that evening we went in not really knowing, is this an A1 story? Is it a, you know, a cover of the local section story? Uh, it was certainly newsworthy that the Y had take, had proactively decided to to close because they said they were concerned about the safety of their staff and their members. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so, we had to kind of let things play out to see. Right. So as they play out, so going into the evening, you've got the Y is closed. The closure of a YMCA, probably not front page news uh, in general, uh, although it's around a matter of controversy. That elevates a little bit. Right. And then uh, now there's this uh, this protest planned and you're you're keeping an eye on how big that protest is and probably also who is there. So if a thousand people appeared at the protest, uh, that, that would be different than if a uh, hundred people came, right? Right, right. Or four, you know, right. th- there was the possibility we, it could have been, any number of people. And we had to, as we do every evening, stay flexible to react based on the news event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, in my mind, if a thousand people appeared, that would be a pretty good argument for its front page placement. Uh, Right. Right. On the face of it. But, but that was not the case, right? There were not a thousand people there. I, I don't know. It was a few hundred people, correct? It's about three over three hundred people. Three hundred people. Okay, so sort of a tweener, but not the biggest group. Three hundred people get together in San Diego in all sorts of, uh, of fashions every day, and um, uh, there were other factors here though as well, right? Like uh, I mentioned earlier, the why it closed over a matter of controversy, right? So uh, I think that. Uh, it certainly is something that can elevate the story to the front page, right? This is uh, 
an issue of public interest right. and of public debate, right? So, right. Uh, but on the other hand, this was a, 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 a protest staged by one a group to promote their point of view, right? So it was sort of a partisan event. And so there was this question, wow, are we going to elevate this uh, this partisan event, this PR for one side uh, onto the front page? How, how do you think about that? I mean, I think that was very much in your mind as we were talking about it that night, right? Right, absolutely. And, you know, we didn't we didn't know in advance of the event if, people on another side would show up or not. All all we knew was this protest had been planned by a particular group. And there, there was concern as, you know, the three of us talked that evening, there was concern about elevating that particular perspective. We didn't have a lot of information about the event itself, that what precipitated all of this. We, had I think Tarsi and I, in addition to to the reporter, had listened to uh, this young woman's comments before the Santee City Council, which preceded this. But it really wasn't clear what actually had transpired, what propelled her to to take this matter to the City Council, and I had a lot of questions about what was really at. The, the root of this. And we didn't have the answers to that. So that gave me pause about the group that was organizing the protest, what this young woman's uh, experience had been, and the possibility that maybe things, you know, her comments before the council did not generate a lot of reaction at the time. She kind of got up and spoke and then that that was the end of it. So I had questions about how did that then become the subject of a Tucker Carlson, you know, segment and the the reason for this protest. And, and we didn't have those answers immediately. Right. I'm looking at our um, standards, which are which are on our website of who we uh, who we don't include in stories, sources that we would not use, and those. Uh, include uh, lack of veracity and lack of transparency. Uh, so a little bit here, there was a question, did we really know that uh, what happened and uh, whether uh, this complaint was legitimate or whether it was sort of ginned up? I think that was a question. And, and um, I think, right. I guess we still don't 100% right. know. Uh, but then uh, other criteria, bigotry, and lawbreaking are two uh, are, are two uh, criteria that uh, disqualify people from participating in our news coverage, or for us to include them, right? So in this case, I think there were elements of both of that, right? So clearly, the law requires uh, um, equal access to the dressing room facilities for um, for transgender people uh, and people of all sexual orientations as well. So. Part of this protest was advocating breaking the law. So that's that's one that we consider. And then secondly, bigotry, right? So this uh, uh, seemed to be um, uh, targeting uh, uh, 
people based on their gender identity in a way that seemed bigoted or hateful, right? Right, right. And not not to jump too far ahead into that evening, but we did have subsequent conversation once the the protest had had taken place. There there were people, you know, counter protesters there. And we had a conversation, Tarsi and I, with the reporter and another editor about the language that we would include in that story. Mm. And I felt very strongly that we should not be giving oxygen to hate speech. Right. Um, You know, those things were there were many, many statements made during the protest by by speakers and by protesters interacting with counter protesters that we would view under our we would see as hate speech. And quoting that, I felt was. Even though it happened and our reporter observed it, that we should not be amplifying that in our in our story. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like, so we characterized this. I was yeah. just going to say we characterized the interaction and some of the speech, but did not quote verbatim the things that we considered to be, to be hate speech. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, you know, and I want to just really focus on the placement of the story and how we debated that because, um, those criteria we just went over are uh, important determinants and you know your concern mm-hmm. uh that you just expressed about about uh, amplifying hate speech is definitely something that's on our minds right so you know had this been a case of a uh a marginalized person or community being denied access to the YMCA based on their identity and 300 people stood in front of the Y to protest that, uh, we would uh, not hesitate, I think, to see that as newsworthy and, and front page news, right? This is different. We were like, yeah, but but did something happen here? There was a little uncertainty there. And then secondly, what about bigotry and law breaking? Uh, those are real concerns. Okay, so... Um, as we talked about it, though, the other side of the conversation was to not put this on the front page uh, uh, raises questions of um, diminishing this act of uh, prejudice and discrimination um, and, and saying it's 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 not important, right? That the rights of the transgender community are somehow less than the rights of other marginalized communities who I felt like uh, this kind of uh, action against uh, any of a wide range of groups, we would see as front page news, right? So like, how do we, and so like, we got a little, we got a little uh, uh, caught in this conversation of seeing both sides of this coin and really not knowing where to go. What was it that tipped it over uh, that night to, yeah, it should be on the front page? Well, I think there were, for me, there were a couple of factors. One, 
as you mentioned, we we kind of collectively went through this thought exercise of, okay, what if, you know, what if a similar situation presented itself and we were talking about another group? And I think that was valuable for all of us to kind of walk through that process. Would we put that on the front page? Would we cover that in the in the same way? That that to me was was helpful in clarifying my thoughts. A couple of other things that we found out about the protest. One, there there was confrontation. There was the the sheriff's department was out there uh, in force. I mean, they they were anticipating the possibility that this could turn violent. There were uh, interactions between the two groups. And another factor for me was having public officials, elected officials stand up and advocate violating the law, the law that protects and affords equal access to to all people. And not only advocating breaking the law, advocating overturning this, that, that California's law should be overturned and you know, tr- trans this transgender woman in this in these people's minds should not have access to the facilities. And I think the wise position, which they were very forthright, we are making sure that everyone has access. We are legally obligated that we provide that access in an equal and equitable way. And to me, it was exceptionally newsworthy that we had public officials advocating. Uh, against that very protection. Yeah, yeah. And then I think there also was a little bit of news that was added late in the in the evening, Tarsi, about the the school district, right? Wasn't wasn't that that night? Yeah, that that really started to broaden the story, the scope of the story. The school district released an announcement all all on its own, saying that it would um, stop all field trips and programs to the YMCA um, until it had a discussion with the YMCA about its policies um, regarding transgender. So that began to elevate the story to a broader audience participating in that discrimination against the transgender community. Yeah, yeah. And if I recall, that was really the tipping point where uh, uh, it, it seemed like, okay, this is definitely a front page story. Okay, very interesting conversation. So what like I guess uh I'm taking from it is uh the elements at play were public interest, uh maybe uh social significance, the size of the crowd, the uh the composition of the crowd, who was there. Um and uh, and and also the the news of the event. And what I mean by that was, I, I feel like earlier in the conversation, it was like, well, here are people with a particular point of view that uh, that don't seem to be happy, but nothing has really happened. It's just people out here expressing their opinion, and th- and that became a little different when okay, the sc- wow, the schools are now somehow getting involved. 
the police are involved. So like that action, I think also elevated it. Okay, super interesting. And that was, uh, I felt like um, a little uh, journalism workshop at work that night. Laura, any uh, any concluding thoughts before we uh, sign off? No, I just, I think it's a, a great example and maybe, you know, people are not aware. We, we spent a lot of time and energy uh, that evening, not only talking about the, the play, but as I mentioned, uh, really wordsmithing and, and going through that story with, um, you know, different lenses. And, and I, I think it's noteworthy, the energy and the amount of time that we spent trying, we don't always get it right. We certainly make our share of mistakes, but there, there was um, a, a concerted effort to be very conscientious about the way we approached that and, and to be fair in that story. Um, Blake did a, did a great job, but you know, it, it took a little bit of a village to get that to the, the point where we felt like this, this was the story we felt comfortable with. I thought, and I thought it was really important that we brought in diverse voices from within the newsroom um, to, to go over that story and really make sure that we weren't harming anybody. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank you both. Tarsi Connors and Laura Sakalo. Job well done. With that, I'll turn it back to you, Luis. Thank you very much, Jeff. You can follow the latest developments on this story by logging onto our website, SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism.